Sonic Talk, Flying Musical Robots, Suzanne Chiani, Hollow Sun Records, Mixing in Mono, and the Me Blip Open Source Hardware Synthesizer. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out the O1V96i digital console, compact and packed full of features. Hello, everybody. Here we are, uh, Sonic Talk number 258, recording today live on Wednesday, the... What are we today? The 7th of March. Apparently, isn't today the day they announced the new iPad specs? Apparently. Oh, and there goes the phone. That's a brilliant piece of work. I'm going to... <laughs> ignore, well, hold on. Yeah, this is probably them. I better just check. I'll just mute a sec. 6pm UK time, I believe, the iPad announcement will be. Uh, all kinds of crazy rumours flying around everywhere. What's your name? Smaller? Well, I think that one is going to come, but I think that's going to come later in the year, but it may be come this time. Um, USB interface? No. <laughs> uh, that was PV saying, can we have our base back? So the answer was yes. So anyway, oh. I, I don't know whether it's happening today or not. I mean, that's kind of... Uh, yeah, it is 6pm UK time. 6pm UK time. All ah, right, OK. Well, there we go. Well, that's an introduction. We may as well say hello to Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, our resident producer um, based in Bristol. You can tell by his voice that he's Welsh. And also co-presenter of the Sonic Touch hit iPad music show that we've been producing. We're now up to episode <laughs> nine, I believe, is the next one. But we might yes. be, I think we're aiming to shoot that on Friday. So anyway, welcome, Gaz. Thank you very much. Video's looking good today. Oh, excellent. Um, I was going to announce... I said last week I was going to make a big announcement. This week, uh, well, I can make a semi-announcement. I can announce that I've got the job. Hey! Can't... <laughs> can't tell us what it is yet. Not just yet. Uh, I'm just working at this a little bit of... Um, this. I know that's awful, but... Uh, well, say um, no more. Just say you can say something else about it, you know. Later. To be, to be, that's exactly, that's what we do. Okay. Using. Anyway, guys. I'm, I'm really happy about that. So um, once I explain everything later on, everyone... Well, it'll all it'll become clear. But yes, um, it's really good. But as a result of this job, it pretty much means that uh, the next few months are going to be, you know, chock a uh, block with this. Yeah. So um, hopefully I'll still be able to make it regularly, but um, it might, uh, it might, um, it might just take up a lot of time. So we'll have to see. But I, I'm going to try my best to. All right. Well, we, we wish you the best of luck and hope that we can get you back as soon as possible anyway. <laughs> thank thank you. you very much, Gaz. And uh, we'll also go over to uh, Dave Spears there, g4software.com, makers of fine uh, software instruments. In fact, Dave, pre-show, just before I started recording, was making a hell of a noise. Can you give us another treat? Go on, let's, yeah, go on. Let's hear it. Ready? Sounds like head banging sort of analog. Beautiful. What is it? Go on, you have to tell us again on the record. Uh, an AKS, an EMS AKS. Oh, I think I was saying before the show started, I've always wanted one of those ever since. Is it in good condition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. And tell me that it comes with different kinds of pins, didn't it? There's different colour pins, and apparently they are different. They have different resistance or something. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That is in fact, good. I found out the other day that the green ones are attenuate. Ah, okay. Uh, because sometimes some of the stuff is so hot that you kind of like, do we tame it or do we just turn everything else up? Wow. But it's unbelievable. I, I've said a long time ago, I, th- I think I said in one of the mini Moog videos we did, that you can kind of, the beautiful thing about the mini Moog is you can sort of feel the electrons pulsing through it. You know, it feels that kind of, you make that connection with it. This thing is like it's got its own life force. Unbelievable. I'm very disappointed to see that you're not actually wearing either a brown or a white lab coat. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, no, I, I would... thought that was mandatory. I suppose I could put some glasses on, can I? Pretend to be earnest. And some pens in my pocket. Oh, I haven't yeah, got a pocket. You haven't got a pocket. Yeah, you're, wear, you're, you're wearing a bloody hoodie playing an AKS. What the hell are you thinking, man? <laughs> the, the police are going to be around any second. They'll take it off you. I'm sorry, sir. You, you can't have this anymore. You're, yeah. You are not qualified. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Still, anyway, uh, much fun and much fun. In fact, um, we could get all technical now because I've got something to play, which is uh, is kind of musical and sort of um, 
slightly technical at the same time. So let me just get that anyway. Let's see what happens. Can you guess what it is yet? This is so sci-fi. It's brilliant. I think this is just atmospheric cinematography, cinematic noises going on. This isn't the noise that these are actually making. Look, look at them go! amazing i'm not going to play the whole thing because you can enjoy that yourself but that was the sound of what they call them they call them quadratas musical flying robots well they're, they're actually flying robots that happen to be playing music uh they're these little kind of they've got four um rotors on them i guess which is against their quadrotors and they're really highly highly controllable uh, they're made by uh, Pennsylvania State University Robotics Department. That was a video made for TED 2012 presentation. Uh, and it's uh, GRASP lab members, um, somebody called Kumar, uh, Dr. Kumar, uh, Daniel Mellinger, Alex Khrushchev, a helping scientist engineer, create far, sm faster, smarter, and more flexible robots by mimicking swarming behavior. But, I mean, it's kind of very tenuous link to music technology. <laughs> but what a, I mean... I just first thing I saw about this was this is terrifying. Stick a camera on one of those, and it could be outside my window. It could be behind my head at the moment. I wouldn't know, and it could be spying on me. Amazing mm. about amazing bit of technology though. I mean, and actually, we we looked at the OK Go thing, didn't we, a couple of days ago, and everyone's going, "Yeah, there's no way that you could get the cart." But those things are controllable to that degree. I'm going to switch to gas because you're eating a lollipop, and I think that looks great. <laughs> what do you think of that then? Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, oh. You know, 21st century, it's all meant to be about robots and flying Flying machines. robots, absolutely. Flying robots, yeah. So, yeah, great. It's about time. It's about time. I'm sort of, um, you know, I think uh, those kind of, what are they called? Quadrilates? Quadro yeah. Quadrators. Yeah. Or quadrotors. Um, I, that kind of design we're seeing quite a bit of now, aren't we? That's with those four... Uh, so I think kind of maybe the first flying cars will have that kind of look about them. Maybe you think? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard uh, that. I've heard they're just going to be yeah. That that uh, aren't they? Um, aren't they releasing them at the the latest motor show? Ooh. That's what I've heard. They've they've been they've been um, prophesied for years. No, great mm. idea though, and and kind of interestingly uh, put together as well. I enjoyed that. Dave Spears, I think perhaps they could have used a better synthesizer though, don't you? It was a bit that rubbishy. Trumpet breathy tone. trumpet sound. <laughs> <laughs> was. Yeah, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about stuff like this. Sometimes I think, oh, that's really funny and clever and entertaining. And then I kind of imagine that I was the person who created this and I just met a girl and I was saying, would you like to come back to my place and see what I've been doing for a little while? <laughs> it's not really going to work, is it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think that would be pretty oh, impressive. Reckon. <laughs> you reckon? Well, put it the other way around. What All if right. you were a lady scientist? And you were inviting a gentleman back to your place, see what I've been doing. Now, wouldn't that be a slightly different proposition? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I suspect she'd have chosen a different sound other than that breathy trumpet. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm just being slightly facetious here. It was very clever. And uh, yes, I'd like some of those robots, those little uh, quadrotors. Apparently what they do is they... Uh, what do they do? They... they they have infrared lights and cameras. The nanoquads have small reflectors on their struts which allow the camera system to plot their exact position and relay that information wirelessly to each unit. So it's pretty complicated stuff. I mean, it does have military and surveillance written all over it, though, doesn't it, really? Yeah, police. It's, really, it's yeah. really, yeah, this sort of mask. We've put this little sort of slightly amusing music video out just so that it might allay the fears of all the other people who are probably just seeing right through that and see that this is going to be used for horrible, nefarious, kind of right-infringing sort of activities. It's so true, isn't it? Yes. Still. Yes. Scary, but they should make them look a bit cuter, though, I think. You think? Yeah, furry and... Just big, give them... Well, big, scarier, even. Big eyes. Yeah. They look quite easy to shoot down, though. Yeah, you... <laughs> 
you could just swat them with like a fly swat <laughs> or even like a, you could probably get them with a um, just a water pistol because I imagine they wouldn't respond too well to water. Yeah, yeah. In fact, so we we'll probably don't have to worry about them too much in this country, seeing as the uh, humidity and the water content in the air is likely to be uh, impossible for them to fly. As it went falling out of the sky and just landing next to you, you'd be like, blimey, what's going on? What is it? I'd, yeah. train, I'd, I'd train my local crow friends to kind of go for it, I reckon. So keep them away from my house. Ah, you could use, what, you see, you could use them for um, stopping the sea from the, the creatures from pecking your garden. Oh, no, no, I was meaning getting the crows on my side to sort of uh, okay. to attack them. <laughs> right, I, I, I detect that we're heading to a bit of a cul-de-sac with that topic, but I just enjoyed it. I saw it online and I thought, ah, oh, people need to know about this. Uh, but obviously I didn't quite realise that there was uh, such a, a dearth of enthusiasm or information outside of it. And really it's quite sinister. So let's go to something else. Um, now, this was quite interesting. I, um, I, I'm going to play this video because I think this is much better than the video, than the, 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 the interview I was going to uh, bring your attention to. Check this out. Isn't it marvellous that electricity like this could also be used one day to regrow entire limbs? Well, in a moment, we'll meet a musician whose that playful experiments Peter with electricity may be the forerunners of a new approach to both listening and learning. Welcome to Xenon. 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 Hello. Uh, that was Suzanne Chani. Uh, I'm guessing it's Chani, not Siani. I'm. I. This is. The, and the one thing that this 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 really did bring to my attention was that I didn't really know an awful lot about Suzanne Siani. And she's essentially uh, she's got a retrospective coming out, uh, which I believe is uh, called. Lixiviation, uh, her year, six, 1965, if I bring up the web, 1965 to 1985, uh, all her sort of various works. And I didn't realise quite how prolific she'd been and how big a star, essentially, in the, in the, in the sort of electronic world until this. So this, this all came about because there was an NPR interview. Uh, it's quite light, actually. It's not very deep. Um, but on NPR, you can visit it. Uh, they'll put the link in the show notes by uh, NPR's Jackie Lydon. Uh, it's audio only. But Suzanne Cherney, five Grammy nominations, and she did the sound for the Xenon pinball machine, which I actually remember. And I heard, as soon as I heard that, I thought, bloody hell, I used to play that. <laughs> um, but I don't know much about Suzanne Cherney. I mean, I'm guessing, um, Dave, you might have a bit more knowledge because you were more sort of uh, immersed in the synthesizer world. Have you, have you ever had any dealings with her or know much else about her stuff? No, I don't know enough about her, I think. She looks quite nice in this picture. And that voice, she's got a really nice voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of, uh, yeah, quite impressed with that. No, I don't, I don't. I did have a couple of albums of hers in the 80s because it was quite interesting where everything, I, can't, I, I sort of explored all that kind of Kitaro stuff, which was just a kind of cure for insomnia a lot of the time. And actually her stuff during the 80s, where everything else was kind of getting colder and sort of more digital and sterile and stuff, her um, work in the 80s had this kind of really nice warmth about it. And the only thing I do know is that she studied, you know, she's a complete bookler convert and she studied um, with John Chowning at Berkeley and... Followed in the footsteps of that sort of classic US electronic music study. Yeah, and what I find really intriguing is that, you know, her music isn't necessarily academic. I mean, she's classically trained, but it's not not music for academics. It's Mm. quite light. It's reasonably clever. And, of course, she was responsible for that coca-cola well that was the one thing in fact i've got it uh where did i have it i think here i've got some more notes here uh yeah i mean she was really big in sort of 1960s 70s she did lots of television commercials for corporations such as coca-cola merrill lynch at&t general electric her speciality was reproducing sound effects on the synthesizer that recording engineers had found difficulty in recording properly the sound of a bottle of coke being opened was one of her most widely recognized works which is a kind of strange way of being remembered and was using a series of radio television commercials in the 1970s apparently and during which time she was doing up to 50 sessions a week i loved it in that interview where she was saying and and like you say it was light but i loved it the fact that she said she wanted to be a kind of a, a professional musician 
But it turns out that advertising was kind of more on the sort of cutting edge. You know, everything had to be new and exciting and adventurous. And I thought that was really fascinating. I would love to do an interview with her because she must have, yeah. I mean, you know, we, as people have been saying in the chat room, what's quite interesting is, you know, we have, uh, we've, we're kind of the UK's more sort of Delia Derbyshire and perhaps the US is more, um, you know, more uh, Suzanne Charney. And it must have been, yes, as people are saying, it must have been so much harder when you consider like what, how pedestrian electronic music is now and how unusual it has to have women kind of to such a scientific level with modular synthesizers doing such deep stuff. I mean, she was doing that 30, 40 years ago. So she must have been a real a sort of anomaly in a lot of ways. And it must have been quite interesting. I wonder how that worked for or against her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd love to know more, really. Gaz, you know anything about uh, Suzanne Cherney? No, I'd never heard of her before. Um, I thought it was quite funny thinking of Tara, you know, she's... Um, well, that's true. Like, protege of her it's great in there you know there should be more chicks in synth, in synth world. Said rather patronizingly more <laughs> <laughs> <Or> babes more <laughs> babes come synth on babe. yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Good. right make the interesting a little more make the our world a little more interesting but yeah it's true and i i think we've discussed it before isn't it it's like why ever not i mean what's the kind of it's, maybe it's a left brain, right brain thing. I don't know. It's it's hard to hard to know exactly why. But I will definitely be checking this out. Um, incidentally, if you wanted to know, she's playing in uh, Montevideo, Uruguay, on the seven twenty the twenty seventh of March, and the twenty eighth. If you happen to be in that part of the world, you could uh, probably see her. Where's Montevideo? Is that in? That's in Uruguay, isn't it? That's what as what it says here. As if I actually knew that. <laughs> But um, very interesting, and obviously, uh, very. I, I'm going to. I'm this first retrospe- retrospective. It's out on uh, B Music slash Finders Keepers Records, uh, sixty five to eighty five. So it's only twenty years. So there's still a, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, oh, they want the link to the interview in the chat room, which I will now. It's a shame Rich Hill's not with us because I'm sure he would know. Yeah, well, I was, I was, we, we did, I mean, Rich very kindly did say that he might be able to join us for, um, uh, you know, post-show, but I'm guessing uh, t- he actually had a gig tonight, so he might actually uh, not be able to, I mean, it's totally understandable he's not here, because it's probably two o'clock in the morning where he is, so that's just the way it goes, but anyway, I hope Rich is well and having a good, uh, some good times over there on the, in, in Australia, as it were, I guess it's summer there, isn't it, now? Yes, I think is. I think yes. it is. Uh, I was right. thinking it wouldn't surprise me if Rich sort of turned around and went, oh, I worked with her. I did like 25 albums with her. Uh, yeah, it, it would be surprising, would it, at all? I mean, that's just the kind of guy Rich she's is. She's my daughter-in-law. Yeah. Oh, she's coming over for dinner. I'm firing up the I grill. Looking, I was looking on Hiltonius, his website. His, his client list he's worked with is staggering. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Rich while he's not here. Yeah, <laughs> he is a very highly qualified, qualified, qualified um, gentleman. Yeah, done lots wow. and lots of stuff. Yeah, tons Amazing. of it. So we're lucky to have him, even though we haven't got him. If you see what I mean, that kind of makes it does make sense. But he's a you. Don't worry, folks. He'll be back another time. You just have to make do with us this week. Um, right. What was what was it next? Um, what's the time? I suppose it might be time to do, have a word from our sponsors and say thank you very much to them because um, when we get back, we can take a look at what was next on the topic list: Hollow Sun Records and Atomic Shadow. Yes, why ever not? So, but first. I just want to say thank you very much to our sponsors. That's Yamaha. Uh, Yamaha UK are indeed the sponsors of the show. have been for a, a number of months and years. We very much appreciate their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, what you're looking at here, if you're watching the video, or perhaps you're watching this on YouTube, because we post the video on YouTube as well, now in very high definition, is the O1V96i, which is the digital mixing console. It's a small format, but with a heck of a lot of power under the hood. In fact, uh, what do we get? We get 16 IO USB 2 audio streaming. So you can use it in a, as a live situation. Uh, you can stream IO into it, record your uh, gigs live. Uh, very high quality studio head amps. These are, are new mic amps that are, are different. They're very similar or they are the same, I believe, as the one in the Steinberg interfaces, which everybody's been raving about. I know PJ really swears by them. Full suite of VCM effects, master strip, channel strip, and vintage stomp effects and revex effects. These are high quality DSP on board, so you don't have to tax your computer. 40 mixing channels, 32 mono, 4 stereo, 16 analog, 8 digital inputs. 
8 channel ADAT interface as standard, 24 bit 96K AD D2A, 8 auxiliary, 8 mixed buses, 100 millimeter motorized faders. There's a whole ton, <laughs> up to four effects. Uh, comes with Cubase AI, uh, Pro Tools, and a door support in terms of control service. surface. Uh, it's also got an expansion sh- slot, so you can add even more interfacing there. Um, the ADAT is not part of the uh, YG Day extension. You've still got a spare one to go in there. So a lot to offer. So do go out and check one out at your local Yamaha dealer. And and if you decide to buy one, or try, or maybe you could just try one, just tell us, tell them that we sent you because, uh, well, frankly, it makes us look good. And um, goodness knows we all need that, especially without Rich being here. Anyway, thank you very much for Yamaha for joining us um, uh, in a sponsorship sense, and we very much appreciate them. Do check them out. So uh, let me see, what was next? I think if I flip back to my notes, I can... Uh, ah, yes, the Hollow Sun stuff. Now, I think I have a video for this. Let me see. Uh, video three. This is uh, Atomic Shadow, who is uh, the first release, I believe, on Hollow Sun Records, which, if you're familiar with Hollow Sun up to now, has been um, like a sound and uh, contact instrument, kind of soft instrument. Here we go. He's actually playing. This this is his wall of sound with sort of... uh, Equipment going back to 40s and 50s, oscillators, tape stuff. It's just brilliant. What a way to perform. Eh? It's a very radiophonic workshop. Thoroughly recommend listening to it. He's got an album out called 12 Full Moons. Uh, mm. If I go to the... Uh, yes, here's the page here. 12 Full Moons on Hollow Sun Records. Obviously, Hollow Sun, you might know them for all their sound libraries. If we look here, there's all these ones that we've looked at them before. The Silicene and uh, Trios and all these kind of beautiful contact-based instruments. And uh, I know that Rich was really um, blown away by our Silicene, uh, which also samples lots of kind of ancient technology. Some great stuff there. So... Um, Gaz, you're the one who who passed this on, actually. I mean, what was it that kind of really brought your attention to it? Because it's very niche, isn't it? And he does he not release his stuff in high quality as well than than we would normally expect? It's not MP3 stuff, is it? Well, he was kind enough to send me uh, a copy of his album. This is Atomic Shadow, uh, Rod. Uh, he's in the chat room right now. Oh! Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, there he and- is. I I really liked it. I mean, that's oh, you know that that kind of that, that wall of stuff just looks like great fun. But when you listen to the album, there's there's a real great texture to it all. It's sort of um, uh, you know it, it, it does sound really good. It's I really like that. I've I've really enjoyed listening to it. Um, it's great. It's you just put it on in the background, and it just sort of makes you feel like you're listening to your brain. You know, um, or my brain. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's one of these things, it shouldn't really make a difference. I mean, if, if, if you'd made it using all the hollow sun, um, music lab things, you know, uh, uh, you know, you'd, you'd listen to it and maybe have the same feeling listening, but just knowing that he's gone to the trouble to build this kind of incredible quirky bank of all sorts of stuff, just, it just gives it that like almost romantic notion you know just uh um it's interesting it makes, isn't it it's 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 yeah. almost like concept art in the way that when you get the description of how things are made or the concept behind them it adds more value and it's it does with this because it's it's obviously so much more it must be so much more difficult or a, a more alien process than what we're we're used to sitting in front of a computer and doing it this way it's just quite interesting i wonder how it goes together i'd be interested to know whether well, these are all performances that or whether they're layered indoors or whether they have any of that stuff going on as well yeah i'd be interested to know i mean when you listen to it it does feel very spontaneous um and and it's some very surprising sounds uh I, it, yeah, I really recommend it. Actually, it's uh, it's, it's it's a great piece of work, and, and as I say, I think the amount of work that's gone into it, not just in the performance, but in just building such a, a low. I think you you've frozen, Gaz. Your mic. Maybe if you unplug and replug your mic, and I'll go back to I'll, I'll go to Dave quickly. It's, it is an interesting process, isn't it? I mean, the, the, it seems to be very much about the process. And I like the idea that this is very, very niche. I mean, the whole point of the Hollow Sun Records, uh, it says uh, it brings electronic 
Esoteric Electronica from a broad range of experimental sonic artists from across the world on modestly priced, high-quality downloadable albums if you buy directly. I'm guessing it must be available on the, the usual... Um, uh, you know, outlets, but you can get hold of higher quality uh, audio if you want, which kind of makes sense. Uh, we pride ourselves on the slightly odd and weird te- and tend towards the unconventional. That seems to be a fair description. It, it, it's, a, it's a very different kind of music, isn't it? I mean, it's, if, you, if you're looking for kind of uh, banging pop anthems, this is probably not the place to, <laughs> to go. This is much more to do with texture and sort of atmosphere, when you say. Interesting. Answer the question for me. I kept seeing this video. This kind of crop it crops up on Facebook, and somebody mailed me a link to it and whatnot. And it was obviously this. It's obviously the same person, and it was some. It was it was a different angle, but again, it was kind of you know very kind of spooky electronic music. I've got a feeling there was a clock in there as well. But yeah, interesting. I I mean you know I love all this old school. Just there's something. In fact, it's interesting with the CMS. The, the reverb has just got that character, you know, that whole kind of 60s character. And I think uh, it's when you find machines that kind of evoke that A vibe at all of any kind of nostalgic kind of vibe, um, it's always it always adds this kind of... It's an element... I don't know, it's hard to describe. Almost ethereal, but that's too bland a word, really. Mm. And I like this. I like this it, a lot. It's interesting you mentioned the AKS. It reminds me back... I, I interviewed uh, Will uh, Gregory, uh, and we did some stuff about the uh, synthy EMS stuff. And he said, it's kind of like you... Well, as soon as you, you put anything through it, because you can use it for processing very well as well. He used the... the uh, not the synthy, the AKS, but not the suitcase one. What's that? The VCS3, which is a similar structure, voice structure, right? Um, yeah, so yeah. when you put stuff through that, it, it just adds a sort of 60s sheen, sci-fi sheen across everything. And it's just sort of that's something you can't get anywhere else. But yeah, that's spring reverb. And I love it. And it's the same It's the same kind of vibe as this. You can't quite put your finger on it, but it, it kind of, um, it's, a, it's a very Moorish type thing, mm. which, I, which I think is essential in... I just wanted to say that the the song that we were listening to the intro of there was called Waiting for Judge Number 3. It's not on the album that's coming out. The album that's coming out is called uh, 12 Full Moons, and it's sort of one track for each day of the month. Uh, if I go back to here, you can see that. I might be able to zoom that in. Can I zoom that in? No, it doesn't like that. And he did... Uh... Um, Atomic Shadow just came second in a competition run by the Science Museum for... The uh, the the oramics uh, 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 the the thing that um, Dave Robinson was talking about in the Science Museum the the Daphne oh, okay. or, um, they ran a competition and uh, Brian e- I don't know who won actually but Brian Eno was one of the judges so oh, I think uh, congratulations to Rod uh, Atomic yeah, Shadow well done. I think oh, yeah. uh, they must have a, l- a lot of entries to that yeah yeah I think it was a I think it, I'm not entirely sure what it was but I think it was taking pieces of that were recorded on the Aramics, maybe, and making a remix of it in some way. So maybe, maybe he can pipe in with. <laughs> oh yes, I don't know. We can ask him in the chat. And the other thing I wanted yeah. to know about was: uh, is it his gear that's used as basis for some of the Hollow Sun sample um, instruments as well? Uh, he says in the chat room. Hold on, that is correct. <laughs> uh, it's not quite real time. I think we're about sort of seven or eight seconds de- delay, so it might not be. It's not quite as real time as uh, as usual. But that's once again thanks to the uh, supermassive chat room brain um, and very much to Atomic Shadow in the uh, in the chat room. Stems from Daphne and were used. Yes, that's right. You were correct in your assumption. Wow, they there. allowed somebody to turn the machine on. <laughs> no, I think what happened there uh, was. Um, I don't think the machine does get it, it. It doesn't work. It's not actually working. I think there are recordings from, from or all the tapes have been recorded elsewhere. I remember seeing uh, a document. Okay. It, it's now. I mean, the one that, that's that's there in the science machine is just not. It's not functional. You know, and no, to no. rebuild it would be a nightmare. You know, it's the machine is dead. As uh, just that's it's, a great that's a great title for a show, isn't it? The machine is dead. Machine Atomic is Shadow. Dead. I think what you need to do is actually have that as a title to a track, or in, in fact, a whole album or series of albums. The machine is dead. That's a great title. <laughs> I'm liking that a lot. Yes, previous tape recordings were used, so uh, it's great to have the input from uh, Mr. Atomic in the chat room there. Thank you very much. Um, let's have a look. Yeah, so uh, twelve full moons. It's priced at a fiver. I mean, come on, oh, that's bargain. 
as is all of the Hollow Suns. Very, very, very affordable, including their instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, right. Let's see what's next. Um, what time is it? Oh, it's 22. I've got to go a little bit early because my daughter's going to the school disco tonight. And I have to pick, <laughs> I have to pick her up. It's her first school disco. She's eight. So, wow. so uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I hope they're gonna, only going to be playing George M. Roder tracks. <laughs> I don't want anything modern. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but they didn't actually ask me to be the DJ. <laughs> I feel quite offended, really. Anyway, um, I, I think maybe we'll save the mixing in mono. To, or do, are we interested in that till next week? Or would you like to? Ooh, yeah, I'm, okay. All right, we'll I'm do that. We'll that. do that. All right. Well, <laughs> um, the next topic is about mixing in mono. Um, this is from uh, Bill Shaver, who has uh, sent in a couple of topics. In fact, he was asking about future classics since I think we read out. He sent it via email. He sent a bunch of things, actually. This was one, a couple of, I think we've probably covered not too distant future. But this one was... Uh, a producer friend of mine is a big proponent of mixing in mono or at least frequently checking his mixes in mono and swears that mono monitoring can highlight issues that are not apparent in stereo. Uh, it would be interesting to hear if the panel agrees with the notion that mixing in mono or checking the mix in mono uh, can highlight problem areas in recording. And uh, Gaz, as you had the thumbs up, I, I will let you go first. Well, it's just uh, I was quite excited to, about this topic because the project I'm literally just finishing uh, to tonight actually or maybe maybe the overlap a little bit into tomorrow uh is this uh is an album that i've been uh producing uh of this like surf band we're actually playing this band as well um and we've and we've done it all in mono in fact it's not just mixing in mono the end result is mono as well so um it's been really it's been a really fun process because conceived it as a mono recording. I have mentioned a little bit about this in the past. We've used uh, ribbon mics pretty much exclusively oh, yeah, 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 yeah. on everything, and uh, and the whole kind of mono that, that just I know it sounds it's such like a backward step in a way it seems. But um, one of the things that I found to be just just so great fun about it is when I've been checking the mixes in different places, it always sounds great. I mean, the the first mixes. Oh, I think we've lost a con- oh, your connection's you know, getting. We lost that last phrase. The first, well, ah, the first mixes. Yeah, the first mixes sound great. Everything just sounds great. You know, it's 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 like this mono thing. You, I guess, normally we tend to use the stereo for finding places and um, fitting more in than perhaps needs to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite, quite, quite. And um, working in mono is just uh, it's a really interesting. I mean, it you know, it's a very simple thing that everyone everyone can do it. But um, I so there I was making all these mixes sounding really great, and I thought I would um, call up some uh, of the surf tunes uh, that we'd sort of been inspired by. Uh, this is like the Shantes and uh, some um, Ventures and um, uh, Dick Dale stuff, and and it's all in stereo. <laughs> Oh. oh, but it's it's that pseudo stereo, isn't it? Where you've yeah. got like the drums yeah. on one side and you know, yeah, mono tracks, um, but, mono um, signals. Yeah, very simple, simple stereo. But we've decided to kind of stick it, stick, stick with mono. And um, I, I think just it just does feel like you're building layers on top of each other. And does it make the uh, mix? Does it make it simpler, easier to to make, or is it more yeah. different? Yeah. Oh well, I think so. I mean. Uh, it's just, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, this, this particular project, uh, sorry, without meaning to bang on about it too much. Um, I'll put, I'll put the, the links up, uh, maybe next week because hopefully it's going to get online by next week. Um, has been a little bit of a, a deliberate retro kind of thing, yeah. but I don't think this necessarily needs to be retro. And I think, you know, uh, I, we are actually thinking we might do some more stereo mixes of it anyway and i think what i would do relate to the uh, to the thing that bill had mentioned you work in mono you get the track working the arrangements working the parts are working everything's just working uh and then and then stereoize it and then stereoize it you know um because uh, uh, a few years back, uh, when the Beatles remasters came out and the box sets came out, um, the everyone was raving about the mono mixes, saying, oh, you know, if you want to hear what the Beatles intended it to sound like, uh, I think all the way up until Sgt. Pepper, um, 
uh, I think I can't remember if it was a white album. I think maybe it was Sgt. Pepper that the the Beatles only sat in on the mono mixing. They they weren't present for the stereo mixing. The stereo mixes were sort of run off after the Beatles had gone gone home or whatever. As as it was a much more of a uh, stereo yeah, right. was a, a bit more of a minority thing back then. Um, and I was quite inspired by that. And you know, when you listen to those mono mixes, there is a a definite sense of um, cohesion just ah so i think for me anyway it was definitely investigating this uh and wholly wholeheartedly recommend it for everybody to do it because i mean it does seem just like the most simple thing it's interesting well you're you're sort of you're coming at it from the kind of yeah you could check your mixes in mono just for the sake of it but actually just do them in mono in the first place and then re reconstruct i mean i'm guessing i I think it was there was a i saw a documentary about lemmy and he was chasing after the there was a box set that he wanted and it had the original monos and he said that's what i want to hear that they were originally meant to be i know dave perhaps um do you kind of how do you do that do you kind of i'm guessing you're not working with lots of multi mic setup so often but do you do you kind of tend to mono mixes and stuff very often to listen i mean it's actually when you're mixing in the box unless you've got a box that's got a mono button that's between you and your monitor between your monitors and your door you you're not going to get the opportunity really i don't do it i thought mono was just kind of subsidiary of midi (laughs) (laughs) uh no um no i do know a couple of good producers who always uh, mix certain parts in mono, or they'll always. I think what Gaz is saying is kind of get the mix working in mono. Mm. They've got one of those little Fostec power speaker things. And I'm like, make it come out of the big speakers, and they're like, no, 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 calm down. Just uh, yeah, yeah. This little the speaker, tones, yes, yeah, it's a bit like that. No big ones. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I have no experience at all of mixing in mono whatsoever. Like, I think I do. Te- I do check them where I can. What's Gaz got there? Oh, what's that? That's interesting. Is that a Fender? Um, what's that? Is that a an amp? Nope. Uh, it's 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 a reverb. Ah. Uh, <laughs> and um, pretty much everything we've recorded on this particular project has gone to this. And obviously, it's a decidedly mono affair. It's like a valve. Um, a valve, valve spring, right? Valve spring unit, um, and you know, with that being a mono thing as well, is uh, you know, um, pretty much as I've been tracking, I've been running out another signal through that, and take and and you know, and getting like a print of the of the wet and the dry as separate tracks, and um, and in a lot of cases, I've left the dry, I've left the dry tracks out at all, and just gone with these. Uh, Sort of. Uh, oh, I love to. I'm looking forward to hearing that, guys. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's great. I mean, just it, it just instantly just just coats loads of sort of vibe on things. Um, uh, and uh, this actually belongs to the guitarist in in the band. Uh, but I am I'm on the lookout for a spring unit. If anyone's got one, um, like a great British, great British spring. spring. Yeah, they came in yeah. a drainpipe, didn't they? That, yeah. What yeah. was that? Was it Access It who used to make the kit? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's oh, another yeah, one I've been gosh, kind of yeah. keeping an eye on. Because out I remember for. the access it, uh, kits used to have, they come in little plastic boxes and you had the gate, the compressor, and all that sort of thing. I know I've, I've talked about these in the past because there was Tran- Tantrek or Trantec that used to make them as well. And I had, was my first outboard kit was uh, a, tr- a Trantec rack with an exciter, a compressor, a gate on it. In fact, I think I used it all over early DNA stuff and it was broken i think the one day that i put so much signal to it the led one of the leds on it burst it just went pop (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's a complete term so but generally checking things in mono i mean it it is a good idea i mean and it there are some things that you might want to to try i mean really if you're monitoring multi outputs into your desk if you're going the hardware route it's fairly straightforward if you're going the software route then you might need to stick a plug-in or something across the master output and just have a mono button um and you know they're worth experimenting with because often you can hear you can also hear the volume of things quite easily because when you throw things out wide stereo that they're they're not always as loud as they would need to be because your attention is brought to them more directly because they're so wide or so kind of stereo place so it is a very um Mm. very useful it's kind of you know and also there is so many devices are mono. You know, now we kind of think, oh, you know, everything's stereo. But, I mean, the iPad, for instance, has only got a mono speaker on it, hasn't it? So, you know, so people are listening to music 
In mono. mono. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. In many, in many, in many Well, in fact, I've got something ways. here which I could tell you which is mono, um, which is the uh, Nord drum, uh, which you probably can't see the video, but that's mono. Hmm. <laughs> is, that, is that just coming out of the speaker there, what we can hear? Uh, no, oh, it's that, out, out it, no, it's coming out. It's, it's just coming into a channel and being sent back ah. to you. So it's it's the whole the whole nine yards. Oh, but, sorry, when you said mono, it's just I no, but it is just output, it's just a mono yeah. output. That's it. Even though it's got four sounds in it, that's something. But uh, we'll be reviewing that uh, later. So uh, someone to look out for. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because I, I th- in some ways I'd probably prefer to mix mono uh, than five one. But I think checking stuff in mono, checking stuff in various different at uh, different levels, different speed. I mean, all of these things are really critical. And particularly if you've got multi mic setups where phase is an issue, yeah, checking in mono is is an absolute must because it's very easy to get really sort of oh I want this really wide stereo pan. Oh yeah, that's brilliant. And then you you mono it and it's like where's that gone? <laughs> you've got to be careful of those sort of things. Yeah, mono compatibility can be your friend. Well, uh, a few years ago, uh, when uh, a music chain called Sound Control went out of business, um, I bought uh, some monitors, or rather, I was looking to buy a sub-bass unit, and I ended up buying um, like uh, a Blue Sky system um, that uh, was going, it was cheap, because one of the speakers had gone missing. The Blue Sky stuff always comes with sub and two satellites. Um, so I have got a 1.1 <laughs> monitoring system now with a, with a one Blue Sky speaker and the one sub. So I don't know how many people use a 1.1 system, but I've got one. <laughs> Excellent. That's got to be useful somewhere along the line. But, well, it'd be great for listening to the album that you've just done, presumably. It's true, actually. It's all elsewhere at the moment. But um, yeah. And uh, actually, I'll put an appeal out there if anyone's got a single sat 6.5 Blue Sky monitor please get in touch ebay is your friend i think in this instance isn't it mm. yeah the expensive mind They're about six seven hundred quid each Ooh, yeah okay maybe not then right what have we got next um ah oh, yes this was this was rather interesting have i got it right and this is uh what was the last video i better just check yeah here we go here it comes Right, there's someone tweaking on the MeBlip, which is uh, or MeBlip SE, which is uh, it's an interesting concept. It's an open source hardware. Uh, if I go to the web here, it's the uh, it, it it's part of a collection of people. Uh, I think um, Peter Kern from Creative Digital Music involved in it. And the idea is, is the the hardware is dirt cheap. It's got open source CP uh, um, processing, so you can tweak it and mess about with it. And the idea is to, to enhance it and to change it. And also, if you write any code to make it available to the community. And this thing's 149 bucks. Um, and you know that was only a very. I've, I've heard quite a lot of examples. In fact, I think I've got some more here, which uh, which sound a little bit more fulsome. So it's capable of some other tones as well. What's this one? I mean, you probably can't tell that uh, from uh, what I'm uh, playing down there, but there was a reasonable amount of bottom end. Interesting idea, open source hardware. I don't know how, um, I mean, I guess Korg have gone a certain way towards it, but this looks kind of fun. I mean, 149 bucks for, a, I think it's a single voice synth with digital stuff. I mean, yeah, it's digital, but it's got filters and stuff. Interested? Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to check out all the audio samples, but I quite I, actually that little sample and hold thing you were playing was quite cool. Yeah, I might check it out. Two oscillators, uh, I'm guessing squareway, uh, yeah, a, a bit of FM. Uh, and, and I think the SE is actually, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I did actually struggle to find enough information to give me a kind of bullet-pointed what is it, what does it do, what does it do now that it didn't do. But the idea is just an interesting concept of being able to actually, uh, you know, open source a bit of hardware. And, and like I said, the, you know, the Monotribe, the Korg stuff is kind of going some way towards that. I mean, it's got to be a great idea. I mean... Everything gets better, surely, because we all like to tinker. How's the Korg stuff, open source? Uh, well, it's got, as it's built, it's, I suppose it's not open source. It's basically patchable. It's, it's documented yeah. that this is what you can do to open it up. Here's the patch points. Do what you want. 
Oh, okay, cool. So, you know, like the Monotribe has got the various parts. In fact, I did a review of the um, the uh, Amazing Machines MIDI Tribe, which is a MIDI retrofit kit for the Monotribe. Uh, posted that a couple of weeks ago. You know, and that added mini I.O. Mm. capabilities to it. And there are other uh, patch points in there as well that allow you to kind of bring further force. And there's... Uh, you know, there's quite a lot of uh, possibilities there, I think. And and the same with this, presumably. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, you build the thing up and it's it's there's no kind of like, well, I don't know if there's any warranty scenarios or anything with it, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, quite cool. Quite yes. cool. My soldering is oh. just so crap. Though. Well, you don't, you, yeah, don't, you, you well, actually, you can buy it in uh, two forms. You can buy it in one that requires soldering and one that just requires screwing together. There's no kind of so, and, and the one that requires soldering is actually only a tenner less. So you may as well buy it unless, unless you happen to like doing that. I mean, if you want to tinker and do all of that. Um, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. you know, why not? I mean, Gaz, I noticed people in the chat room were talking about um, Raspberry Pi, which is another similar kind oh. of idea, isn't it? The uh, This little tiny... Um... <laughs> Brought the server down. It was so popular, didn't it? Yeah. What was that? When it was launched last week, was it? Yeah. Well, I, I would like to try I'm just thinking about, you know, because mm. one thing I want to do is uh, I've got this, we've got this new video switching system, which is one of the reasons that everything looks a bit better now. And I've been using it to switch between sources. But it costs, you know hardly anything i mean it's it's a tiny little thing well not hardly anything it's quite expensive but in terms of video switching it's really cheap but the broadcut the control panel for controlling it so you've got actual hands-on control when i'm using this thing which is 50 50 notes and and, and a bit of midi scripting the control panel to control this thing is like fifteen thousand quid you know for the big one and it's like <laughs> i want to i just want to use a little computer and and access yeah. it somehow that way so i mean i'm i'm right up for all of this thing what mm. what have you been reading about raspberry pi then gaz well, I mean, it's finally become, uh, I think it's hit the streets now, hasn't it? I think from, right. uh, uh, which, you know, it's been sort of. Is there uh, any specs on it? Do you know what the specs are? What's the CPU power or anything? Is it, is it capable yeah. of doing much? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think because it's so efficient, um, it's such a very simple little, uh, it's a, it's basically a, a computer on a little circuit board. Uh, it's currently just, just a circuit board. I think they are going to make some which are in cases as well. Um, but I think part of what they're trying to do is make, you know, just make a very simple computer that's really geared at getting young people into programming again. It was created by uh, a bunch of Cambridge um, computer whiz, uh, whizzes uh, who were involved in the 1980s in the BBC micro, David Brabham, who created the groundbreaking elite right the game he's one of the kind of key people in, involved in it and they um and they're really sort of into this idea that it's uh that it will remain you know very cheap completely open source and and the point of it being it's it, it it runs on like a linux kind of platform and it's all about trying to program make your own programs for it uh the actual thing itself has uh it's got you know, it's like a, a computer on a chip, really. There's a, it's like an ARM processor. I reckon, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. I think it's around 700 megahertz or something. Yeah, it, and a, a 700 megahertz ARM processor. ARM processor. Uh, uh, hold on. And, uh, there's, uh, there's some more information coming around in the chat room. Thank you very much, yeah. chat room, for filling out HDMI out, 512 mm-hmm. 12 megs of RAM, RCA, audio, video, USB. Yeah. I mean, it's inter- actually, it's interesting you mentioned this because uh, there's been a whole lot of stuff in the news recently, haven't there, about uh, how. Uh, there's a dearth of actual computer programmers, and what's happening? You know, there, there was was that mm. piece of news that NASA NASA control was was hacked mm. like 700 times last year, and they lost control of their systems like on more than one occasion. And they mm. just need people who know what they're doing. Who are so they're almost encouraging people to hack stuff just so that the people get an interest. It's quite <laughs> so. This is almost on a national governmental scale. They're <laughs> trying to introduce people into the idea of of messing about with technology and uh, and and making it do things it shouldn't do, just so that people we can get some more uh, people to do it, which is, is yeah. quite an interesting concept in itself. <laughs> well, it has, I mean, I'm, I mean, in terms of, uh, with, with the Raspberry Pi, I mean, uh, it will run Ardor on Linux, which is like a, Little. like a kind of pro toolsy type, um, environment. Right. Um, so theoretically, you know, and, and reco- uh, it uses, a. Do you think, think you do slots. Reaper? 
Uh, no, not at the moment because Reaper will only run on Wine on Linux, ah, which is okay. a, yeah, that's, that's which a is Windows, a Windows emulation. emulation. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, but there is there is a native Linux version of Reaper supposedly sort of knocking around. So um, so we'll have to wait and see if that if that does come because that would be amazing. That would be that, really well. Amazing. That would be interesting. You could all mm. you could sell them. Yeah. But well, I, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, will, I know I was just going to say uh, finally about Raspberry Pi was that just that its potential for being built into bespoke systems like what you're talking about, but but musical kind of situations, I think is is really interesting. So I'm very keen to see if some 15 and 16 year old builds like their own NPCs or you know that kind of thing. Really, yeah, I think it's you know I think that's quite exciting. It's so cheap, you know, you could build multi, you could get multiple ones yeah well i mean one per unit i mean if it'll Mm. run in my 512 megs of ram yeah very interesting um i think altogether though um the idea of open source uh it's it's just it's a great idea and i'd have to check the licenses out but you can get a head over to uh, meblip.com i think there's the uh there's the site there um yeah, meblip.com. It, it, it's got a project of uh, create digital music, reflex, and it's open hardware. So it's worth checking out and so cheap. I mean, you know, even if it's – you can get the meblip micro kit for 39 bucks, and that doesn't have any interface. So you can add your own interface and decide how you want it to be. It's exactly the same. It's just the board. But uh, mm. that's it. I, I, I was going to cover – we were going to talk a little bit about this uh, new Mini Brute and the Steiner Parker filter, but I am actually going to have to go. Um, otherwise, if, I, if I'm late for my daughter's first disco, I just <laughs> I, I would be – I would just – I'd be sacked as a dad, I think. <laughs> so uh, I want to say thank you very much for everybody joining us. Thank you for Dave and Gaz. I'll maybe well switch to your two-shot there because um, there being only two of you. Um, thank you very Yay. much for joining us. Uh, we'll say thanks to Dave Williams. Uh, Dave Williams. <laughs> Dave Spears, g4software.com for joining us. Um, you're not going to Music Matter, are you? Because we're a couple of weeks. It's only a couple of weeks away now, isn't it? Yeah, and no, I'm not going. Uh, We've you're... got something that we need to get done here, so Ooh. I'm staying. And mess is just too expensive. Well, well I tell you what, we found uh, we found an apartment this time. Sleeps Ooh. five uh, discreetly. You don't have to share a bed. Um, so we're taking. So, yeah, and it's cheaper than a hotel room was for two nights, uh, for three nights, for a twin. We get five people in it. Wow. So, wow. wow. If you change your mind, we've actually got a bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, we've got a ton of stuff that we've got to get done, one of which is exceptionally, well, actually, all of which is exceptionally exciting. One is incredibly exciting. So, yes, we need to get that. In fact, two incredibly oh, exciting. All right. All right. Enough <laughs> I'll already. With, yeah, I'll shut up and I'll leave you with... Cynthia OKS, thank you very much, Dave Spears. <laughs> and also, Gaz Williams, uh, songsurgeon.co.uk, thank you very much for joining us uh, this week. Uh, of course, uh, you can see Gaz on episodes of Sonic Touch, which uh, uh, we'll be recording, I think, one on Friday. That's the idea. Um, so thank you very much for joining us too. Oh, my pleasure, as always. Thanks, everyone. And, of course, everybody in the chat room, want to say thank you to them, including, of course... Uh, Atomic Shadow for joining us. I uh, didn't expect to see you there, so I'm feeling. I hope we didn't say anything that was um, that we well that we can be embarrassed about if we ever meet you in person. But thank you very much, and very good luck with the album. Don't forget to get the Atomic Shadow album, uh, and also do check out the Suzanne Cherny, um oh, I'm going to have to read it because I can't remember the pronunciation. Lix, hold on, it's called Lixiviation, which is apparently a made-up word that they thought should exist, but it actually makes it really hard to pronounce and remember what it's called. So once again, thank you very much. That was Sonic Talk uh, 258. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Thank you very much.